kiddos, and welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real-life dads with real feelings. Now, you might remember that one of the earliest episodes that we ever did of this show was about Batman, and um, that in that episode, we talked about primarily Batman's relationship to Robin. We talked about uh, him over course of a few different pieces of media. I mean, we talked a lot about the early 60s TV show. Um, and uh, uh, we had guest Jonathan Holmes on. And it was a lot about the fantasy of having a dad who let you ride motorcycles and punch guys. And then sort of the cold realities of having a dad who's too full of trauma and anger to tell you that he actually cares. That was almost two years ago. Whoa, how time flies. Um, and since then, another piece of Batman related media has come out, which I only watched recently, but surprisingly captured Batman and Batman's essence better than almost anything I've ever seen. You know, I, I still love the 1960s Batman show. I love the Batman cartoon. I have a soft spot for the Tim Burton movies and even the really bad Jill Schumacher movies, but the Lego Batman movie. Against all odds, a movie that's about like toy building blocks just really captured Batman's whole deal in a way that I would never have guessed going in. So I think Batman's whole essence really is about his origin story, right? Um, You know, people want to talk about Batman's whole thing as being a vigilante who operates outside the law or his role as... um, you know, a normal person in a world of superheroes or, um, yeah, the fact that he is like a billionaire who could be addressing social problems with his vast funds, but instead goes around beating up mentally ill criminals. Um, and those things are all part of Batman's deal. But for me, really the core of the whole thing is that Batman experienced a traumatic event when he was a child, which was seeing his parents get murdered after watching the movie Zorro. And he has never, ever dealt with that, um, at least as far as I know. I, I mean, in every piece of media I've ever seen, there's nothing to suggest that he ever got therapy for it. There's nothing to suggest that he ever dealt with it in a meaningful way. Um, he was raised by his butler, Alfred. Um, in various media, he may have gone and trained under Raz al Ghul and things like that. But none of those things were like training in uh, coping mechanisms or like you know, understanding and dealing with this trauma of loss and um, loss of like the most profound kind you can experience as a child, which is the loss of your parents. And the way that Batman is usually presented um, as a result is like a brooding loner, right? Well, in the Lego Batman movie, he is presented in kind of a different way. He is, uh, he's shown as being basically completely in love with himself to a really exaggerated degree. He's not brooding so much as he is incredibly self-important. He, you know, foils a crime at the beginning of the movie and then he's going around being like, I'm Batman, I'm Batman. And just like, like being a dick in, in how like, you know, full of himself that he is. And uh, it's interesting because I think I've mentioned this book before on this show, but there's a book called The Drama of the Gifted Child by Alice Miller, which is, you know, it's a self-help book. So 
Uh, You can argue that it's written to appeal to as many people as possible. But it basically is like a theory of children who didn't really get to be children because um, their parents didn't give them unconditional regard. And obviously, if you don't have parents, uh, you can fall into that category as well. And two of the w- there's two ways basically that people respond to that situation. Uh, one way is uh, falling into depression and and sort of having that kind of lifelong experience of depression. And another is grandiosity. And for Miller, grandiosity is just the flip side of depression because it bases its worth on achievements and it inevitably falls into depression. And so in ways, Batman is still a kid. Like, you know, there's the classic line in the the Batman movie, the um, Tim Burton Batman movie, where the Joker's like, where does he get those wonderful toys? And in this movie, you really do get the sense that he is a kid living in a huge house full of toys. Um, in an early scene, he microwaves his lobster Thermidor for dinner. And it's like a kid's idea of being rich. He has this huge house with like weird slides and like conveyor belts and all these cool cars. And um, it very much is just like, it's like a blank check kind of situation to me. Uh, and um, another thing about this film is that he never seems to want to be Bruce Wayne. Like he keeps his cowl on even when he gets home and changes. And there's a point where he's heading to uh, Commissioner Gordon's retirement party and he's still wearing the cowl in the car with his suit. And Alfred's like, uh, sir, you might, you have to take it off. And he's like, what do you mean my cowl? Uh, he's like, you know, that thing that's on your head. And he's like, oh, okay. Kind of plays into the whole, like, who is the man? Who is the mask kind of thing? Um, which is sort of another classic element of Batman. But he's basically hiding behind this persona. Like, he never wants to be Bruce Wayne because he's retreated almost entirely into the safe Batman persona from which he can control his world and never be hurt. And he spends his time fighting other costumed people with issues. And he and the Joker are basically in love, which this film gets better than any other piece of media I've ever seen. Um, the crux of the film, like the whole sort of impetus for the, the narrative of the film is that the Joker wants Batman to admit that he's his greatest enemy in this language that is extremely just like admit that you're in love with me. And Batman refuses to, and says that he's fighting a, a bunch of villains right now. Um, he doesn't have a, a nemesis. And basically the Joker cooks up a scheme to like force the issue and force Batman to say that he uh, hates him, uh, which is obviously just the flip side of love. So in the course of this, uh, Alfred, who is Batman's kind of ersatz father, encourages him to take on Dick Grayson, who Batman like kind of accidentally adopts at one point. Um, and at first Batman's really only interested in him so far as he's useful to him. Um, so there's a, a plot, like a major plot line of the film is that Batman is basically tired of, of arresting the Joker. Um, and early on the Joker turns himself in and the Joker and all his, the villains turn themselves in and Batman's like, um, what do I do now? Um, and he thinks it's part of some kind of scheme. And so he goes to steal Superman's Phantom Zone projector, which he used to send General Zod into the Phantom Zone. And there's a great scene where Batman, like, you know, he and Robin are going to 
uh, Superman's Fortress of Solitude, and Batman kind of assumes that Superman's Fortress of Solitude is is like a, well, you know, it's the name Fortress of Solitude. It's like he's imagining that it's kind of like the Batcave, where Superman is just kind of brooding and being on his own. And then he gets there, and there's a Justice League anniversary reunion party, and everyone is invited except Batman because he's a huge dick and no one likes him. Uh, and so he's kind of awkwardly hanging out there while Robin is going to steal the Phantom Zone projector. And Batman basically needs Robin to do it because he is small enough and Batman's abs are too big and, and he can't sneak in because of his muscles. So Robin steals it. And, um, and at one point he's like, oh, I'm proud of myself for being such a good teacher. <laughs> and uh, he can't say that he's like proud of him. He can't give him any praise. Uh, and all the while, Dick Grayson is like calling Batman dad. And there's this thing where like, he believes that, um, that Bruce Wayne has adopted him. Um, and that Batman and Bruce Wayne just like live in the same place and that they're like co-dads basically. Um, and, uh, and he's like, oh, I shouldn't go out. Like, my dad will be expecting me. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm your dad, too, I guess. Um, and, uh, and he keeps calling Batman dad. And he's just like, no, don't do that. Don't call me dad. Um, and so he settles on Padre. Because um, Batman's like, oh, can't that also mean friend? And he's like, I guess so, Padre. Okay. Um, and so basically, Batman steals the Phantom Zone projector. And is um, going to use it to send the Joker into this phantom zone so he will never be able to come back and cause more trouble. But, um, you know, when Batman tries to break into, uh, or Batman does successfully break into Arkham Asylum and does send the Joker to the phantom zone, but then he and Robin are, are arrested. And the projector is stolen by Harley Quinn. And, um, while the Joker is in the Phantom Zone, he, like, convinces all these other villains to come with him to get revenge on Batman. So, like, I guess they're all things that have been Lego properties or they're, like, um, public domain. So, like, Sauron, uh, Gremlins, uh, uh, King Kong, uh, Voldemort, all these, like, villains are just, like, being brought into, um, uh, into Gotham. And eventually, Barbara Gordon, who is Commissioner Gordon's replacement, who has had this whole kind of antagonistic relationship with Batman, where she's like, hey, Batman's cool, but, like, we need to work within the law, and, like, we need to work with Batman, and he can't just be doing things all on his own, because that's not how things work, um, which he has been chafing against. And she finally agrees to let him out, because... Um, because the city needs him to defend it against all of these villains who are going to try and blow up Gotham. And, um, you know, Batman is working with his friends for a minute. So he's working with Alfred and he's working with Dick Grayson and he's working with Barbara and they all kind of have their own bat suits and they're all, um, they're all fighting these villains and stuff and Batman's relying on them. They're having a good time. And then, they finally get to Wayne Manor on Wayne Island, um, which I love that detail, like that he has his own island that he's like, you know, first of all, it sort of exposes how grandiose he is. But then also like he has a literal island that he's isolated himself from the rest of the city on, um, which is, is so perfect. 
And here he makes this decision where he's like, yeah, I guess we've been working well together, but like, I can't risk you guys. And so he locks them in his, like his vehicle and sends them away. And he's like, oh, I just don't want them to get hurt. Um, and goes to face the Joker on his own where he gets overpowered and sent to the phantom zone. And so while he's there, he encounters this, uh, this talking Lego brick named Phyllis who previously like encountered the Joker and was like, Oh yeah, you're a bad guy. Okay. Well you belong here. And, um, scans Batman and like see, and Batman's showing all the times where he was like kind of selfish and a bad person. And, um, she's like, well, you're not really a bad guy, but you're not really a good guy either. Which kind of speaks to Batman's whole like history as a vigilante. But Batman's defense is that, um, he was just trying to protect his his friends that he was trying to like keep them out of harm and phyllis asks him like well who are you really trying to protect um and batman has to sort of slowly accept his greatest fear uh which is kind of like letting people in or like having a family because the last family that he had was murdered right so he basically requests that he be allowed to go out and then send the Joker back or stop the Joker and then he'll come back. Um, and it's sort of this like selfless act that he does. So, um, you know, Batman uh, works with, with Barbara as Batgirl. <clears throat> Batman works with Barbara as Batgirl and Robin and Alfred, who is like in the 60s Batman costume. And even, like, the other villains join in because they're tired of, like, being neglected by the Joker. And they send, like, Sauron and King Kong and Dracula back to the Phantom Zone. And they stop Joker's bombs from going off, but the city starts to tear apart. And Batman realizes that it was kind of, like, his fault for, like, basically telling the Joker that he like didn't have a relationship with him. And in this like final moment has to like reconcile and be like, Joker, you're the reason I do this. You're the reason I put on this suit every day. I hate you. And Joker's like, I hate you too. And like they link hands together and pull the city back together, literally. And so Batman's like, okay, well I save the city and I guess I have to go back to the Phantom Zone now. Um but Phyllis is just like, well, no you know, you've changed to save people. You've worked together with your friends. You're allowed to, you can stay. And, um, Batman just lets the Joker and the villains go. And, uh, it's just like, oh, it's, it's doesn't matter. Like, well, you know, they can't stand up to the, our team. And so it's like, this whole movie is about a selfish, childish man learning to be a part of something and like learning to open up and accept help. And act with other people instead of seeing himself as above them. And that is really kind of the story of one kind of dad, right? Um, is just like seeing yourself as sort of burdened with the necessity of protecting other people. And as a result, not letting people in. Um, there's a really great line when, where Batman is... Uh, being scanned in the Phantom Zone, where he says the sort of classic superhero bit of, oh, I'm just trying to protect everyone. And Phyllis is like, well, who are you really trying to protect? 
And that's Batman's whole deal, right? He's built an entire identity and life around cutting himself off from the world, acting as Gotham's self-appointed protector, and taking on problems in a way common to most vigilante characters who believe it's their burden to do what other people can't. The sort of whole, with great power comes great responsibility thing. All over Batman, he never had that great power to begin with, and he sort of just made it his duty, um, which makes Batman fundamentally different kind of character from someone like Spider-Man, who is gifted with these powers without asking for them. Batman turned himself into who he is as a result of his trauma. And of course, Batman does have kids and relationships in many comics. So he has a kid named Damian Wayne. And, you know, those are interesting explorations of the character. But For me, at the core, Batman is a story about a man who refused to try and heal from his trauma. And because Lego Batman is a kid's movie, it gives him a redemption in this new kind of family. Uh, And the family that's formed by the end of the movie is really interesting because um, it's sort of not at all like the, you know, nuclear biological family that Batman lost. Um, It's formed of Batman his adopted son, Dick Grayson, his butler, Alfred, and his, quote, platonic lady friend, Barbara Gordon. Um, And it kind of is this really sweet ending, um, again, to what is, like, primarily a kid's movie, but it's this kind of ending of, like, oh, sometimes a family could be a Batman, a Batgirl, a Robin, and a Bat-Butler, and that's all, just just those four. And sort of speaks to this interesting idea of like, oh, yeah, you can let other people in and they can become your family. Um, And those relationships can end up being really special and important in ways similar to biological families. So, yeah, I really liked this movie. It was really fun for a bunch of reasons. Um, And again, I was so impressed by the way that it really distilled the essence of Batman, Um, you know, Obviously, the Joker thing, which is kind of the impetus for the whole movie, but the underlying theme is Batman as a character who is uh, at at the same time really childish and and selfish in the in a way that that children are, um, and also just like an a man who has you know these fatherly qualities of um, being protective and reserved and and it, you could argue oh but. Merit Batman is a reluctant dad and he doesn't want to be a dad to Dick Grayson at all. Like, yes, but he is a father to Gotham City in a lot of ways. Um, And he is this specific kind of father that sees it as his job to protect them and that he knows better than everyone else, um, which is really evidenced when Barbara Gordon wants Batman to sort of work more closely with the city rather than just see himself as above it. And that kind of uh, trope or that um, that kind of dadly character is transformed into a different kind by the end of the film where Batman has has sort of learned to be a mentor and a nurturing figure to Dick Grayson and and um, someone who can accept the the fathering of uh, of Alfred who he previously kind of spurned early on in the movie um, and can accept the friendship of people like Barbara Gordon who want to work with him and not just sort of listen to him. And I really loved those themes and I thought it was um, really great and a really, uh, really smart way of tackling that stuff. So 
if you're at all interested in Batman, uh, I think this is like a really great um, like character study of of the of the character. Um, and again, like it's like it's surprisingly one of my favorite depictions of Batman. Uh, so that'll do it for this week. Um, and yeah, you can always go back and listen to our old Batman episode, which I believe was episode number four, way back when, featuring the uh, incredible and always fun Jonathan Holmes. So until next week, bye, kiddos. Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad Feelings is a part of Stay Me, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Say Me at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album Foiled Gear. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at dadfeelings and at staymeanco. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.